Hi there, it's Jillian, and I want to tell you about Jillian on Love Plus, your way to get even more Jillian on Love each week by subscribing on Apple Podcasts or Patreon. You can access exclusive bonus episodes with extras, including answers to your most burning questions, advice on all things dating and relationships, and much more. Check out the link in the episode description for more information. Hey there, this is Jillian on Love, and I am on a mission to teach people how to completely revolutionize their romantic relationships by first transforming the relationship they have with themselves. So whether you are in a relationship, single or heartbroken, I've got you covered. I'm Jillian Tarecki, certified relationship coach and teacher with over 20 years experience helping people transform their relationship with themselves through their bodies, breath, and minds. I have coached and taught thousands of people to become better versions of themselves and change the way they show up for and within their love lives. Today's subject is the chaser and the runner part two now i already did a part one to this and i would really recommend strongly that you listen to that episode first before listening to this one or at least listen to it later today it's really important because this is a part two i'm going to be addressing things that I did not address in the part one, but really for context, you need to hear the part one. And this is a pattern that occurs between two people that is extremely painful. It's just simply sabotages a relationship. It's just one of those patterns that will destroy a relationship And will destroy a relationship that could have possibly been a really good relationship. I'm going to outline a few things that are the trigger to this pattern. Because this pattern doesn't happen without a trigger. And I think that what I'm going to share today is going to surprise you, or at least many of you, and actually be quite illuminating. Okay, so number one, the runner and the chaser dynamic. You might call it anxious and the avoidant dance. You might call it, you know, the person who is pursuing and the other person is running away or shutting down. This oh-so-complicated and painful dance is often a reaction to what is being left unsaid in a relationship. I'll say that again. It is often the response, the reaction to what has been left unsaid within a relationship. And so if I were to title this first bullet point, I would title it the elephant in the room. Let me demonstrate what I mean by this. This was written to me from someone who I later worked with. I worked with her and her partner. This was a few years ago. And I think it's going to be very helpful. 
Very briefly, she writes, Hi, Jillian. I'm 34 years old. I'm a woman, and I am in love with my boyfriend, who is also 34. We have been together for one and a half years. I want a baby. I want a family. And I feel the pressure of my biological clock resting on my shoulders more and more as each day passes, and he doesn't propose. I really want him to propose. I really want to get married. I've been clear about this since day one. Yet every time I bring it up to him, he just kind of brushes it off. Yes, soon. Don't worry. This is going to happen soon. Yes, but then nothing changes and nothing happens. It has now gotten to the point where he seems shut down and just shuts down and avoids me every single time I bring up even anything related to family. And of course, now I'm very anxious and getting very frustrated that he's shutting down. And I am often finding myself demanding that he speak to me. And then, of course, the more that I do that, the more he shuts down. And the more he shuts down, the more demanding and angry I feel. It has now gotten to a point where even though this is a relationship that, aside from what I have outlined, has been a really beautiful relationship, we are totally disconnected. Please help. So when I received that letter, this was when I was working with a lot of couples at the time, and I really wanted to help. And I reached out to them, and we had a few sessions. And yes, it ends up really well. But What I really want to share with you is this is a classic example of what can happen in a relationship without communication. Now, on the surface, it seems like there's communication. She's saying what she wants. You know, it seems like he's the problem, right? She's saying clearly what she wants. He's brushing her, you know, kind of avoiding the topic and not really wanting to talk about it. But what they later discovered in our work together is that there was no real understanding of where the two of them were really coming from. Her story was, he's just avoiding me. He's an avoidant. He's not doing what it is that I'm asking him to do. I told him that I wanted to be a mom from day one. I've never hid that from him. He said, I want to be a dad. I want a family. We had that conversation. And now that it's a year and a half later, by the way, I'm 34. So my biological clock is ticking and he's now all of a sudden avoiding me. So she felt many different emotions. She felt rejected like he didn't actually want that with her. She felt betrayed because, hey, she was very honest up front. They had the conversation that they both wanted kids. And now it's a year and a half later and he's not keeping up his end of the bargain. She felt rejected. There was a lot of, if he really loved me, he would want this. If he really loved me, he would be ready to take this next step with me. Then her emotions would go to 
how dare he? I'm betrayed. I deserve better. I deserve someone who's on the same page as me. I deserve someone who will communicate with me. I deserve someone who, when I bring this up, they're not going to just avoid me. So that was part of her thoughts, her story, and her emotional experience. His was the one that she had no idea about. And he didn't know much about hers either, but she was a lot more vocal. And his story was, I want a child. I want a family. I love this woman, but I'm not ready. I still want to get to a place in my career where I feel more comfortable bringing a child into this world. I love her, but I feel like we need a little bit more time together. And there was other things. She was really busy because there was some family drama going on in her life. He was really busy at work. And so there was about six months where they weren't totally, there wasn't a problem necessarily, but they weren't really as connected. But his inner conflict was, I don't want to lose her. I don't want to lose her, but I just need a little bit more time to feel like I could be the best father and husband that I can possibly be. But I'm afraid if I tell her this, she's going to leave me. So I'm going to avoid her, please her a little bit, you know, by saying yes, you know, try to make it all seem nice as a way to procrastinate. Now, he didn't know that this was not a conscious thing that he was doing. This is something that was uncovered during our time together. But he used that sort of avoidance or, you know, let me tell you in the moment what it is that you want to hear, but not really do anything about it. Literally because he was trying to buy time in which he can get ready for the big responsibility of fatherhood and being a partner on a very different capacity. They were totally committed, but then you take it into living together and marriage. It's a whole other level of commitment. And he was not a commitment phobe. He just wasn't on her timeline. And her timeline was strongly influenced by her biological clock. And so these are two people whose timeline was not exactly aligned. I wouldn't say it was totally misaligned, but it wasn't totally aligned. Not communicating and terrified that they were not enough for each other. And so his story was, I have to buy time because I don't want to lose her. And her story was, he doesn't want me. He doesn't love me. He's betrayed me. I deserve better. And her story was fueling all this anxiety. It was fueling the chaser in her. That was her story, fueling the chaser in her. His story was fueling the runner. And again, he wasn't necessarily running away from her, but it appeared as though he was. And this is what I mean by when there is an elephant in the room that is there only because there is a breakdown of communication that is almost always 
the result of two people who are very afraid of losing the other and stories, the mind becoming a battlefield and all these stories and assumptions and meanings. And then lo and behold, you have a dynamic that resembles anxious attachment, avoidant attachment. And my point is, it is always so much more complicated than what it appears. There's more layers to it. And once they understood the timeline, once he was able to have some compassion for her timeline and biological clock, and she was able to see and have compassion for his fear, and then they were really able to communicate magic happened because then all of a sudden her story was like, wow, it's not that he doesn't love me. It's not that he do- he betrayed me in telling me that he wanted something and, you know, and actually wanted something else. It's just that he's on a different timeline. He's so scared and doesn't have the tools to say this to me and didn't have the courage because I was actually being kind of forceful with him and have actually said, she admitted, there were times where she said, you know, if this doesn't happen soon, I have to walk. Because again, biological clock. But it was once they started to understand each other and communicate, that chaser and runner dynamic disappeared. And they had a whole new relationship. And when it started to creep in a little bit in the future, they had now tools in their tool belt to say, oh, look at what's happening. We're doing that thing again. What is the elephant in the room that we're not addressing? And then they sit down and they get really honest with each other. Yes, they have a child now. (laughs) So it all worked out. She was able to be a little bit patient because I think that part of her lack of patience was that she was really afraid it was never going to happen. But just being able to give a little bit of breathing room to the relationship and a little bit of space and him understanding and learning how to feel more confident in stepping into this next phase of their relationship and of his life, magic appeared. Not magic. It's really, it's the magic that happens as a result of two people really putting in the work and being willing to be accountable for the stories that they've created. And they were just really radically honest with each other. And it was beautiful. It was one of my favorite case studies ever. This episode is brought to you by Brooklinen. Let's give a shout out to the moms whether they're new mothers, grandmothers, or any honorary mom in our life. We know that they deserve the best all year round, of course, but let's give them a gift they'll actually really love and cherish for years to come with Brooklinen's cozy bedding, towels, and other home essentials. I think probably one of the best gifts you can give someone is a good night's sleep. And moms of all sort really do deserve the best rest. Brooklinen has their comfort covered with a lineup of home essentials made for relaxation. 
Brooklinen makes award-winning bedding that is perfect for every occasion. Whether you're moving, celebrating your favorite newlyweds, or treating yourself, let Brooklinen's sheets be the gift that keeps on giving every day and all night. And I'm really all about sheets. It really makes a difference when you get into bed, the sheets that you're in. And if sheets are not comfortable, it's impossible to feel comfortable. So Brooklinen, they've been making dream spaces a reality for almost a decade. So they're the obvious choice when making your house a home. If you're unsure where to start, Brooklinen's bundles will save you time and money, whether you're outfitting a bedroom, bathroom, or both. And their best-selling luxe satin sheets have a buttery soft feel and a luxurious finish that is great for all types of sleepers. I love that. If you're looking for a natural option, Brooklinen's latest launch features an organic collection. Check out their site to learn about all of their different styles of sheets and find your perfect match. What are you waiting for? Get to brooklinen.com to gift yourself or your loved ones the rest they deserve. First timer, get 15% off of your first purchase and don't forget to sign up for emails to be kept up to date on exclusive offers new products, and much more. Shop in store or visit brooklinen.com for all things comfort. That's brooklinen.com for best in class, everything for your best home. I also want to bring up within this section of the elephant in the room, how this happens in early dating. So let's say one person wants to rush things because they're too uncomfortable with the inherent uncertainty correlated with early dating. An early relationship, it's like we like each other, we're spending a lot of time together and it's like all of a sudden they want to rush to like serious commitment and they want to rush to a ring or they want to rush to living together or they want to rush to, I don't know, they want the certainty like maybe we're not getting married but it's happily ever after. There's going to be no one else. We are together forever. And a lot of people, anxious attachment and otherwise. It's not just with this attachment style. It's also, like I said, I wanted to use the example of the biological clock because this is a very real thing for women of a certain age and it can create a lot of anxiety that mimics anxious attachment because of that timeline. But we all know that person, and I've certainly been that, you know, I've definitely been the person who, who's really wanted to skip over some steps in dating because I couldn't deal with the uncertainty. You know, this would be more when I really like someone. Anyway, so one person wants to rush things. The other person, very much like the previous example, is afraid of losing the connection. So they will go along with the other's, once again, timeline but then only later to feel trapped, to feel like things are moving too quickly. And then their inner conflict is, I don't want to lose this person, but their pace is too fast. If I say something, does it mean that it's over? So this person, instead of communicating this and being courageous enough to risk the conversation not going that well, they then start to kind of pull back a little bit, not necessarily consciously. They seem a little distanced. They start to avoid the uncomfortable conversations. They seem not so into it anymore. And then that and the other person gets really anxious and thinks, oh my God, something's changed. They don't like me the way that, that I like them. They're acting a little bit distant. They're not the same as they were, you know, the first few weeks. What's changed? And usually this is a very common dynamic that happens in a quote-unquote 
crash and burn, which is two people, they're wildly attracted to each other. They meet each other and it just feels like, oh my God, I met the one. And they spend all this time together, tons and tons of time together and making all these promises to each other and then having all these expectations, right? It's all of a sudden, it's like, whatever, it's three weeks in or a month in and there's all these expectations of this person. They have expectations of each other. They're going to be in this serious, committed relationship. And then reality sets in. And even though they're still into each other or, you know, they're both into each other, one person is still wanting that same speed. And the other person still wanting to be with this person is like, whoa, we've gone too fast. I need to slow down a little bit. This is always why I tell people to go slow and to not rush things. Because when we do rush things, usually what happens is a crash and burn. So to avoid that, you always want to go a lot slower. So anyway, this is what happens. One person wants to rush things or wants to continue to rush things. The other person wants to slow down. And it's only because they didn't communicate this. Like I said, with the crash and burn relationship, really hot and heavy in the beginning. Then one person, usually the person who wants to rush things, who has an aversion to the uncertainty that is inherent in early relationship, they want to rush things. Maybe they lean more towards anxiety and having anxious attachment. And then the other person is like, whoa, this was great, but I want to go a little bit slower now. And then they don't communicate it. And instead they just kind of pull away a little bit. And then the other person freaks out. When really the conversation that needed to be had is, you know, we've moved really quickly. I really like you, but let's slow down a little bit. Let's take some time to really get to know each other. Let's meet each other's friends and family over time. Let's do a trip together to see how we travel together. Let's have some important conversations about family and money and sex right? The runner and the chaser dynamic, the chaser and the runner dynamic can very easily happen in the beginning when two people are too, honestly, it's immature. I mean, I've been there, but this immature approach to relationship where it's like, let's rush into this. I barely know you. Now we have the expectation that we love each other and we're in a relationship. And then usually what happens is that there's one person, again, the anxious leaning person who really, really wants relationship. Maybe they're anxious because they just want to be in a relationship so badly. They've been waiting for this for so long. They don't want to waste time. And the other person is like, whoa, like this is great, but I got ahead of myself. I got ahead of myself. And now there's all these expectations and I feel trapped. And so you have the one person who's wanting more togetherness, who's wanting a relationship more than anything, who like is ungrounded. And then the other person who is equally ungrounded, but feeling trapped. And then that dynamic begins. 
instead of having a conversation, which is really difficult. I have to say it's very difficult to have a conversation to slow down when you've started to see someone and things have been really hot and heavy. It's hard to go from hot and heavy to, okay, let's slow this down a little bit. It just creates a lot of anxiety. And this is why I tell people it takes a lot more than sexual attraction and love and all those lustful feelings to create a relationship. I understand what it's like to be really hot and heavy in the beginning. That was definitely my pattern for many years. It's not anymore, but I know it well. And it's because you just kind of want to get lost in the moment. But at some point we have to grow up and say, you know what, you know, we have to keep our feet on the ground here. We have to enjoy this and really have a great time. We have to kind of approach this as adults and take the time to really get to know one another. This episode is brought to you by Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens every day. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted to just feel better. I wanted better gut health. I wanted to have more energy. I wanted my immune system to be stronger. And the reality is, is that I hate taking pills and vitamins. I just hate having to just take all those supplements. I hate having to remember to take them. I hate how they feel in my belly. So I actually prefer something that's powdered and I can just take it with water. And that's what AG1 does. I take AG1 in the morning before I start my day. And it makes me feel like I'm doing something very good for my body and giving my body the nutrition it craves. And I'm like, I'm covering all my nutritional basis, which can be hard to do with a busy day and with just food alone, honestly. So like I said, it's hard for me to keep up with a supplement routine that comes with a bunch of different products. And it's also hard to trust where all these products are coming from. And I don't like how it feels in my stomach. So when I took AG1, very quickly, I noticed that it helps me with improved digestion. Hair and skin feels great. It actually helps me sleep better. So my question is, why take a bunch of different things when you can just mix one scoop of powder and water once a day? AG1 was designed with ease in mind so you can live healthier and better without having to do a lot. It's kind of the healthiest thing you can do in under a minute. And it's just one scoop of powder mixed with water once a day. AG1 has been part of millions of mornings since 2010. It'll give you increased energy and mood support, and it'll just make things a lot easier. Every scoop is packed with 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients of the highest quality that give me major benefits and will give you major benefits like gut and mood support, boosted energy, and better skin, hair, and nails. My AG1 is delivered to me every month, so it's been super easy to make it into a daily habit. If you're looking for an easier way to take supplements, Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash Jillian on love. That's athleticgreens.com slash Jillian on love. Check it out. Just using made up names, but this is an actual example of someone I worked with, Rachel and her girlfriend, Jennifer. Jennifer 
believes in togetherness and she believes that if there's tons of self-reliance, that means you're not being supported. Rachel believes that she's supposed to give and help others, but when it comes to getting help, if she's relying on someone else, then she's just needy. And to be needy is the worst thing you could possibly be. Because to be needy means that you are not self-reliant and independent. And she was taught that self-reliance and independence was the way to live. Girlfriend, the opposite. She wanted to receive. She wanted more. She had needs and she wanted help and support. So what happened? Rachel loved to give to Jennifer, but it never seemed like enough. And so she thought Jennifer was really needy. And Jennifer thought Rachel would never receive her love. So she felt shut out from Rachel. So then Rachel would find Jennifer needy and would start to shut down. And Jennifer would want to not just get more from Rachel. She wanted to be able to give more to Rachel. And the more she wanted to give to Rachel, the more Rachel was like, why do you keep doing this? Like, stop trying to give me more. Because Jennifer would literally just say, like, I need you to receive more from me. And Rachel would be like, that's needy. (laughs) And then you would have, and then what developed was that dynamic, the runner and the chaser. When really what was happening was that they had a completely different blueprint around independence and needs. And so it is no accident that Rachel fell in love with a woman who represented the part of Rachel that Rachel didn't want to look at, which is, oh my God, I'm a human being on this planet. I have needs. I need support. But she disowned that. Some people would say this is shadow work. She would put that deep into the crevices of her psyche, otherwise known as the shadow part of the psyche, and say, I can't need anyone. But our subconscious has a really nifty way of falling in love with those who are meant to be our teachers. Now, this is a relationship that if they did not get help, would have ended and ended badly. The story would have been like, oh, she's so needy. And Jennifer's story would have been like, she's just always shut down. She couldn't meet my needs. When really, it was only until Rachel was able to get in touch with the fact that she needs support. And it was only until Jennifer was able to realize that Although Rachel needs support, she also needed to feel like she could rely on herself. And that doesn't necessarily mean that's a bad thing. So they had to understand each other's blueprints and learn how to communicate needs in a way where they can give and take. So if there was support that Rachel needed, she had to learn how to ask for that. And then there had to have been times where Jennifer had to respect Rachel's boundaries for just independence. And Jennifer had to find within herself 
a little bit more self-reliance without it seeming like she's all alone. So we will often fall in love with someone who has the thing that we don't like in ourselves. If you're really anxious and you don't accept the fact that you struggle with anxiety and then you fall in love with someone and let's just say they seem really strong, they're never anxious, but I don't know, six months down the road, they get really anxious. Because you haven't accepted that in yourself, you're going to hate them for it. You're going to resent them for it. And then that's when you become avoidant and maybe shut down. So it's until we recognize that the very thing that might be triggering us in our partner is something that we haven't learned to accept within ourselves. And I'm not saying that this always creates a runner or chaser dynamic, but I am saying it is one of the things that can. Because remember, if you are in a runner or chaser dynamic, there is always a trigger. And these are some of the triggers. Last thing, number three. And I titled this Self-Awareness and Increasing Our Capacity for Discomfort and Uncertainty. A lot of people, when they shut down or when they present themselves as quote-unquote avoidant in a relationship, often what is happening is that they have reached capacity in terms of what they can handle when it comes to a difficult conversation. Because if you've noticed, even if you think that, you know, you may be avoidant or you're in a relationship with an avoidant, if you've noticed, like, the avoidance doesn't come when there's easy conversations. It's usually coming when there's a difficult conversation where there's emotions involved. And usually the person who will shut down has only a certain threshold to be able to really hear and listen to emotions. So there's two parts to this. One is communicating when you are at capacity as opposed to shutting down. And look, even the anxious person can shut down when this happens. All of us have a threshold. And when we are at capacity, we have a pattern. Some of us shut down. Some of us yell. Some of us start to protest. What do you do when you're at capacity? And what I'm suggesting is that when you are at capacity, when a conversation has overwhelmed you to the point where you can no longer maintain your equilibrium emotionally and you can no longer take in another's emotional distress, you're overwhelmed. It is in that moment that instead of protesting, instead of shutting down, instead of doing whatever it is any one of us do when we are at capacity is to develop the self-awareness to number one, identify within ourselves when we are at capacity and number two, communicate, hey, I am at capacity right now. I need a timeout. And then The other person is to respect that boundary because to continue trying to push a subject and a conversation, to continue to try to have the conversation when you and or the other is at capacity is a bad idea. 
And so communicating when you're at capacity, respecting that as a very clear boundary and as a warning, an alarm that says, okay, time out time, breathe. We need to take a moment. We need to come back to reality. We need to come back into our bodies and our breath. That's the name of the game. But a second part of this is increasing our capacity. When we have a very low threshold to be able to deal with discomfort, we will struggle in relationships because even the best relationships are going to have moments of intense discomfort. There are going to be things that happen, emotions that run high. And there are going to be times where you feel like, I can't fix this for my partner. I can't do anything. I can't change this. No one ever taught me how to deal with emotions. Their emotions are too big for me. All of that. And our work is to learn how to increase our capacity for more uncertainty and discomfort so that even though, yes, we'll have to say, I'm at capacity, I need a timeout, that needing a timeout doesn't come with the littlest thing. And so it really is our work to be less triggerable, right? So that when we're triggered, it's not a little you know, feather that's triggering our wound. It's like a deep scratch. It takes a little bit longer for us to reach capacity. And we do this with, you know, some people, if their capacity is very low, then there has to be some deeper inner work. You know, many of my podcast episodes here speak to this. You can also work with a therapist. You could also decide that you don't want to work with a therapist, but you want to work with another type of mentor, or you want to work from a book, or you want to start to exercise more, or you want to do some couples work or some men's work or some women's work, whatever it is, there's many paths to healing, but it needs to be done because sometimes emotions can get hot and we need to be able to increase our capacity to be able to hold our partner's difficult emotions and our own. And we do that just very, from the low-hanging fruit perspective, deepening our breath and becoming aware of the stories and the meanings that we create when it comes to these uncomfortable conversations and when it comes to these uncomfortable elephants in the room. We have to see that when we are in that stress state, when we are reaching capacity, we are often under the influence of a belief that's deludes us into thinking we're not safe in that moment or we can't fix it. And we have to investigate the stories that go in our heads. He always does this. He doesn't care about me. She's going to leave me. She's always doing this. She's always doing that. These things, these stories that move at lightning speed sometimes in our minds that are going so fast that it really takes slowing down and conscientiousness and self-awareness to be able to say, ah, there's that thought. There's that narrative. And this is how we start to regulate our emotions and regulate our nervous system so we don't go into the pattern that is the runner and the chaser. So what you can start to do today is if you are in this dynamic with someone, first think, is there an elephant in the room? Is there something that we're not talking about? Is there something that they're not talking about that I'm not making it easy for them to talk about. Is there something that I haven't said that needs to be said? Number two, am I getting frustrated about something in my partner that is really something that I possess, that I have completely disowned in myself and I'm projecting my resentment onto them? And then number three, 
What do I do when I am at capacity? Do I become the runner? Do I become the chaser? Do I go vastly back and forth? And how can I communicate rather than going into my pattern and leaving the other person confused and or overwhelmed? And number two, can I increase my capacity? Can I communicate? I'm at capacity while at the same time, over time, working on increasing it. And I would say that if you're in a relationship and you think that something like this is going on, listen to this together and listen to part one together. It will really help. So this episode was The Runner and the Chaser, part two. There is a part one, and I highly urge you to listen to that one first before listening to this or listening to this and then immediately listening to the other one because it really is meant to be like one really long episode. And look, we're all doing the best that we can. This is really about the relationship we have with ourselves. It's about learning how to function in a relationship when we were never taught this. We weren't taught this in school. And so just listening to an episode like this and applying some of it is really brave. And I would say that if you know anyone who could benefit from this, anyone at all, please share this. Please rate, review, leave a great review if you enjoyed it. It really helps. And Please contact us at hello at JillianOnLove.com if you have any questions or comments about this. And like I said, you never know whose life you could be changing by sharing this episode. So please share. And I thank you for being here and for listening. And until next time. Jillian on Love is a Q Code production, executive produced by David Henning and Steve Wilson. Produced by Ryan Countshouse. Edited in music by Will Tendy. I'm Carlos King, one of the most sought-after executive producers in reality television. I am thrilled to announce Reality with the King, where we'll discuss all things reality TV. I have interviewed everyone from Nene Leakes, Teresa Judai and Kenya Moore. Each episode, we will rehash shocking betrayals, honey. Yes! Hilarious shade. And all the drama. Reality with the King podcast is available wherever you get your podcast. Are you ready for the ultimate Love Island experience? Join us on After the Island. We're going back to where it all began, Fiji. Love Island USA Season 5 is making a splash on Peacock right now. And guess what? Your favorite recap show is back, too. Welcome to After the Island. Join us as real-life besties and co-hosts, Elizabeth and Alex, as we deep dive into each sizzling episode of Love Island USA. We'll spill the tea, interview contestants, answer fan questions, and give you unprecedented behind-the-scenes access to the wildly popular world of Love Island. Don't miss a single moment of the drama, romance, and unforgettable island vibes. Listen to After the Island on any streaming platform.